0: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, "Alles zusammen, zammen, tanzt das Brot, für sitzen doch hier im Selben Boot. I'm Nick Houghton at 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. How are you Simon? I'm doing mate, that was a lovely bit of poetry. What, what, what a highbrow way to start the day. Oh yeah, I like a bit of bread-based <laughs> lyricism. That's how uh, I like to start off the podcast, the, the style we've become accustomed to. <laughs> no, it's a, a, a lyric from Burned das Brot's rock song. Or oh, it a rock song? It's a, it's a novelty song. We're going to talk about this weird bread character later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking i was trying to think it's really hard to think of ideas for this every day i'm like as <laughs> part of my brain's just going what should i say at the start of the podcast it's taken up a lot lot more
1: space than i expected it to anyway how are yeah, you yeah yeah I'm, I'm good man. i'm good I, I definitely sympathize with this this is episode 27 dizzying mm-hmm. heights it's harder and harder to come up with really funny things without just going to scream, sprung duck, technic over and over again, hoping that no one <laughs> yeah. notices. I was like, always like a lyric.
0: A lyric's at least funny. The problem I have is when we do a saying, because sayings are quite earnest, so you say them and it's like... That's not as funny as I wanted it to be. (laughs) (laughs) i got some good news for you. What's that, mate? The mask mandate has been removed in Augsburg, so you can now wander around the city streets without having to wear a mask. Everywhere? No, you've got to wear them when you go in the shop, but you no longer have to wear the FPP2 masks as you walk through the streets. Which is great, because I okay. was walking through the other day, it was quite hot, just before the public holiday, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be able to handle this in 35 degree weather. I didn't realise I was walking down the street and no one was wearing masks, so the queer
1: dengue have taken over, <laughs> but now it <laughs> turns
0: out that, that, that yeah, the mask mandate's gone.
1: I'm not sure if it's the same in Nuremberg. I don't know, to be honest. Like, I, I got messages the other day, about bavaria removing its its emergency restrictions so that as of monday with an incidence under 50 10 people from as many households as you like can get together for the first time and so yeah the, the light at the end of the tunnel is, is shining ever brighter i'm not sure if i'm ready to walk through the streets of Nuremberg without a mask on but yeah. i live in the suburbs now so i can just walk the streets where nobody is i had a moment on thursday
0: i've actually it was more wednesday night just before the public holiday and i say like, i really want to get like really catatonically drunk i don't know why like i just really felt like this need i was like i really need to drink like 10 pints and eat a kebab uh-huh. and my wife and my daughter were away so it's just me on my own nothing more depressive than being a shit-faced drunk on your own and i was like oh, there must be a way of making this okay where i obviously can't call everyone i know is pretty much on holiday or in Nuremberg, so I was like, "Well, it must be something I can do." So I went on a on a tour around Augsburg, but buying beers from like kebab shops and, <laughs> and like normas and stuff. Like it's amazing. I went on a proper <laughs> session and just wandering around, drinking beers, and everywhere I stopped pretty much served beer or like could buy bottles of beer at cafes and stuff so when i fancied a beer i just had one i don't haven't even told my wife about my adventure but like i just got got really (laughs) got really drunk came home i came home and then had a couple of gins and then i fell asleep that's that's quality mate it was really good it was a really good way of spending the day (laughs) total waste but yeah i felt like i'd really
1: maximised the amount of fun I could have on my own on a public holiday. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah, we spent the public holiday installing our old kitchen into our cellar. Oh yeah, you sent us a picture. It looks amazing. So now we have a little party, Keller. I feel very grown up. I have two ovens
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to be finding reasons to use them like for no like I, I'll just make some popcorn we don't want any popcorn I'll just make some you know I can I can just
1: make some well the, to be fair that the oven in the cellar isn't installed like it doesn't have any mm. power so it's purely an ornamental oven but I guess if I need to keep something warm I can put it in there it'll keep it warm I guess yeah. but yeah it's, it's, a, it's an ornamental oven and if there's anything more middle class than that
0: <laughs> it's quite German actually I remember the first time I came here and went over to someone's house and he had like mm-hmm. a bar in his basement like it's quite a thing and and he had a, an oven as well so he like would come back from a night out and he'd make pizzas in the really? basement wow. but, yeah it was a good good idea it stank don't get us wrong like, having pizzas in the basement this, this is the issue actually. ventilation is a problem
1: have <laughs> uh, we got a tiny little yeah. window that sort of half opens out exactly i've got a fan in there and i'm hoping that's going to be the remedy but yeah we'll see we'll see what comes of it it reminds me of those sorts of cellar bars that you saw in the 70s and 80s of like wood panel mm-hmm. so yeah i'm feeling pretty old school it's quality like a rec room or a like a exactly, game room yeah. or something yeah yeah i to put down some like soft matting so we, so we can like wrestle each other when we finally get to <laughs> see each other again i don't know what kind of basement you're planning on, on
0: creating <laughs>
1: Yeah, room two is, is
0: under construction. <laughs> room two, <laughs> dungeon two, more like that's what it sounds like. But I was thinking, one of the things I was thinking as I went on my adventure around Augsburg is, is it-, is it better to get drunk outside on your own, or is it better to get drunk inside on your own? And if I suppose if you have a kitchen downstairs, you can hide away and get <laughs> and get drunk. Dude, I could understand that, but. Yeah, I was I, I couldn't quite work are you like an indoor drinker? Can you hack it drinking indoors?
1: Yeah, totally. I think coming from the UK and then experiencing the American approach to it, like being seen as drinking in public, people always assume the worst. And obviously in Germany that's the total opposite. Time dependent, of course, if you get on the underground at like ten in the morning and there's someone drinking a beer, you do sort of you can guess how their day is going mm. from there. But to see someone out in a cafe drinking a beer at lunchtime or walking the street with a beer is yeah I I find it quite a liberating thing to see but I mean yeah German beer culture and and street drinking is, is totally different and it doesn't result in smashed bottles on the ground, which seems to be the result in the UK. Or, like, cans being strewn asunder in, in a park or something. So, yeah, i probably prefer to drink at home because I feel less judged. Because I am still a sensitive little wallflower that way. I did feel like there was a few
0: people who were going, oh, this, this this guy. Who's this guy drink, <laughs> drinking his Edelstof?
1: You're wearing your England shirt and your face painted with George's Well, I did shave my head, you know, <laughs> and I got that
0: face tattoo of the England flag. So, I mean, there's that, but... Yeah, when you
1: screaming two
0: German bombers. <laughs> it's really- nah, I just Oh god, we're coming up for that season, aren't we? Uh, no, I, I was just yeah. I, I don't know. I I I think most people it was fine, but I'm I'm a good drunk, so I don't fall over and get like I wasn't totally smashed. Six or seven bottles, it was good
1: yeah, yeah. I, I know how good you are at that level um, i'm sure and i was had a moving good time in your so it's like fresh air and it was good <laughs> I, I think that's the downside isn't it the drinking outside get to six or seven take a little break and then stand up and be like oh shit <laughs> my legs aren't quite as responsive as they should be that's kind of the thing i'm missing is like we're in slap bang in that period where outdoor drinking
0: was what is one of the best parts of living in germany was all the festivals where you'd sit on bench for several hours with your mates and have a few mm. beers and like eat out of food vans and stuff and it, and it's it's something that we haven't had for a year and i think that's part of my brain was like this is the time we should be doing that so why aren't we doing it you need to do it even if you're on your tod yeah I
1: mean, we we drove past um i also have some good news I, i've now got my uh card my card that allows me to demonstrate that i am valid here in. oh Germany. your registration right oh yeah congratulations yeah. that's so good I, news. I, thank you it was genuinely more euphoric than getting my uh vaccine like i i felt so relieved yeah. to know that i'm not going to get deported like i'm safe like it's all taken care of that's a huge relief but on the way to pick that up we drove past dockwood centrum mm-hmm. and of course next to dockwood centrum in nuremberg is where they have the volksfest mm-hmm. uh, and they've still got the big 100 meter long sign saying nuremberg volksfest and there was nothing behind it and that made me really sad uh as oh, I you say this is the season and we got no Volksfest, we got no Burgraben in Nuremberg, which is by far my favourite. Um, no public fans yeah, for it's the really, football, so exactly. it's all a bit
0: sort of muted, but yeah. oh, we're
1: getting there. But no no masks in the city centre, that's a start. That has to be a start. To yeah, be able to get your hair cut without having to have a proper mm-hmm. test and things like that, it's, it's really it makes life a lot easier for a lot of people. We spoke before how it's going to be challenging to sort of adjust... To getting back to normal, but yeah, not having to wear a mask everywhere you go, yeah. being able to see people smiling.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's really something. Like, in fairness, there wasn't a lot of smiley people in town. Most of the people just looked really grumpy. But uh, yeah, because they weren't <laughs> pissed like you. They <laughs> weren't we're totally, totally, hammered, dondring about the streets. Yeah, that's what they need to do. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Hi, future Nick here. For some reason, my mic decided to sabotage this section of the pod. It's always the ones you least suspect, am I right? Anyway, I hope this doesn't spoil this section too much. It magically corrects itself towards the end, so please bear with us. Anyway, I better go. I have to deal with the horrific zombie infest... Well, I'll not go into it. I wouldn't want to spoil the future for you. Cheers! Sometimes I forget I live in Germany. This may seem odd, but it happens at least once a month. When I first came to Germany, I'd be constantly reminded that I was living in a different country. Large differences were all around me, such as speaking German or driving on a different side of the road. Now these things are quite normal and perhaps too relaxed, but it's been over a decade after all. This tends to make me revert to the factory setting mentality.
1: So when you say factory default, factory setting, for you is that English or Geordie? What does that even entail? Is this like lizard brain stuff?
0: I guess, I guess it's English, but it could just be... I mean, I suppose if I wait long enough, I'll just revert back to pronouncing things without any T's and being quite geordie about stuff. I think it's when I'm more... It doesn't, doesn't happen as much now. I'm a bit more aware. I don't wear headphones as much. I think when you've got a head a headphones on and you're walking around, you could be in any country pretty much if you're in Europe. You're not really mm-hmm. paying attention if you live here long enough. I've only once... like t- <laughs> take my headphones off and said something like i'll read to someone i think i said that to someone i said i'll read someone i'd met in the street and you could see they were like what does that even mean (laughs) But like sometimes i would just take my headphones out and start talking in english and it would be four words in and i'd be like oh
1: (laughs) like i'd speak in english Uh,
0: do you not do you not have like a default setting
1: yeah i'm not sure like i mean it's interesting for sure because obviously our backgrounds are very very different uh, about the dynamic between us but I mean yeah I guess my my default I end up going to like a Victorian Englishman where I'm just like hyper apologetic uh, and super formal out of nowhere we were doing something the other day like moving stuff around after the move uh, and I'd got in my wife's way and I'm just like oh sorry and she was like do you need me to say sorry to you every time I'm in your way and I'm like you realise this is just my default like I'm just saying this (laughs) I have no control over the fact that I'm apologising to you right now and I'm sorry about that (laughs) so I think that's my default just apologising
0: unnecessary indirectness I think that happens you can just lapse Mm. into that really quickly where you're you're being indirect and you can't actually work out why maybe you think it's because you're being polite or maybe you're Mm. just not paying attention but someone will ask us something and I'll give a really non-specific British answer and then have to stop myself and go Wait, that that makes no sense. What I've just said. Yes, I would love a sandwich. I would like a cup of tea. I, won't, I wouldn't say no. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, you got people just mystified about what you're saying. There have, there have been occasions when I've walked into a shop and instinctively spoken in English, for instance, which is generally not so bad, but can create initial confusion and a little embarrassment. What often reminds me where I am are the small differences I see walking around, such as family in their oft-maligned bios here at Decades From Home, the ready-for-the-outdoors order, <laughs> matching Jack Wolfskin jackets, a bakery, or walking past a, a shop selling Tracton. What do you
1: feel about Tracton? Do you, do you feel that's, like, it is very German, right? Or oh, it's very Bavarian? It is hyper Bavarian. So yeah, when we say Trachten, this is the term for the traditional Bavarian clothing for men and for women. Uh, so lederhosen for the men, and a döndel for the ladies. When I see people wearing it, I'm, I'm kind of struck by the sort of dichotomy of like, I, I have massive respect for for people being able to wear it, especially the men. Because I think the, the female Trachten, the döndel, like, it's a very flattering look, I think. Every, almost every woman looks really fantastic in a dirndl and it's definitely designed to be as flattering as possible whereas lederhosen and, and like the socks and all that kind of stuff it's, it doesn't really look that good I understand this history and legacy and all those kinds of things to it but I'm just kind of struck by like yeah bravo like mm. I don't think I could do that but it's that it's that weird thing where you go to an event and you're one of the only people not wearing it and then you feel out of place then I'm a little bit jealous but I've, I've never I haven't gone that far yet I think because my wife not being from Bavaria, like there's no connection for her uh, to it, so it's never really been the topic for discussion. But I think yeah, I would be up for it now. I, I wouldn't mind. I quite like those calf socks. Like I I don't never notice how chilly calves, but maybe maybe it would be a life changer. So dindles are like really flattering, but I think
0: they they have like corsets in them, which means I think they have like their bone, they like got bones in them yeah. or like yeah. sticks in them to hold them in place which I've heard sticks <laughs> yeah I mean they call them whalebone right but I don't think it's still whalebone unless there's something not. really, really, really wrong with the whale uh, whale. they're not a barrel of laughs for, for women who are wearing them and I find that like lederhosen are functional surely like that's the point of them for like climbing up mountains mm. like they're not like, there's a lot of thigh. <laughs> that's all I can think of when I think of, of Lado's. And it's like, that's a lot. There's a lot of thigh. There's, like, breech-style ones that you can have, which are a bit longer. I think I'd I'd look quite fetching in a, in a pair of those, like, leather breeches. Well, I mean, but,
1: I, I think this is my issue with them. But the school I went to had one of the most bizarre school uniforms in the world, I, I would say. Whenever I meet someone, they're like, oh, yeah, my school uniform was bad as well. It's like, no, it wasn't. Shut up. I'm going to win this argument. Because uh, I did have to wear britches uh, until I was 18. Yeah, yeah. And so I, there's a part of me that's kind of, I haven't felt that nostalgia uh, for a knee-length trouser just yet. And I'm sure the trauma <laughs> of boarding school would come rushing over me.
0: back to like the podcast is about five or six, six things that you just refuse to do because of boarding, like uh, eating, uh, was it baked beans was one of them? And I think, yeah. was it custard creams? Yeah. <laughs> like. And now, and now, Lederhosen. I tell you, man, that boarding school's got a lot to answer for.
1: I mean, it made me the man I am today, but that, that man is also full of foibles and issues.
0: Aren't we, all, aren't we all, brother? Don't you worry. Having to spend so much time in the house recently is, has only made the situation worse. But even here, there are some small differences to be found all around. First up, light switches. Hmm? I've never understood why German homes have bigger light switches, to be honest. I find it a little unnerving. How big is big enough? I'm sure there is a logical, boring answer to the perplexing issue. Perhaps Germans on average have bigger hands? I can't say that I've noticed. In comparison to the UK or the US light switches, the German variety are massive, but unsurprisingly, they are very useful. How so? How are they they so useful? Well, here's some stuff that you need to learn. As the designated (laughs) carrier of all heavy objects in my household, I often find myself carrying unwieldy items at all times of the day and night. Sometimes even now my daughter, who is only getting heavier. Love that girl, but she's only getting bigger. Uh, Looking for a light switch in Germany is a simple matter of mashing an elbow, shoulder, or well-aimed foot at the wall. Chances are high you'll find success. (laughs) Nine times out of ten, whatever parts of my body I'm flailing connect with the light switch. Though I do have a larger than average limbs, so maybe the stats trail off a bit for other body types. Try such a laissez-faire swing-a-limb approach in Britain and you're liable to puncture a hole through the plasterboard, if way off, and could actually end up bleeding with the positively sharp edges of a British switch if you hit the target. None of the lovely rounded Germanness corners that you find with German
1: light switches. <laughs> they are definitely safer, that's for sure.
0: But why are they bigger? I still don't know and I've been here for 10 years. I have no idea why. Like I thought... Is it AC DC current?
1: I don't know. It, it can't be anything to do with the actual current or the the, the circuit itself. I think it's just it's ease. The UK, they we, I think I, I like our switches. They're a little center point of that square. And the US, they have the, the little sort of little pinky finger sticking out the wall. That you have to like actually flick. I prefer the US switches. I know they look a bit old fashioned, but they're more satisfying mm-hmm. to turn on. Hey, satisfaction's a, a big thing. I, I don't enjoy hitting a German switch as much as i do an english one just the big topics here on decades from home this week (laughs) i know too
0: right the 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 most satisfying aspect of switches but the uh yeah i mean it's one of those things where if you're just pooting around your house and you're not really listening to the radio and you've got no overtly german things happening it could be you could just sort of zone out and forget where you are to a
1: certain extent the light switches will always draw us back I do have a new favourite switch in my house. <laughs> I've got a, a, a heating emergency switch and it is, oh, it's it's a glorious, like, you got to, like, pull it down and it clunks into place. It oh, that's, is so that's satisfying. satisfying. A little orange light turns off as well when you do it. It's like, oh, yeah, tell me I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, the- yeah, I like
0: I like a bit of a haptic response. No, I don't have any of that. Uh, action here i've just got bog standard giant light switches i've got lots of light switches and and we're moving out soon and only now have i worked out which switches which <laughs> for like for the two years i've been switching the wrong switches every time instinctively to turn the lights on now i've got it I'm moving house.
1: The nature of things, I'm sure, yeah. Anyway, next up is German
0: taps. If you meet a German travelling in the UK, or one that has just moved there, take the opportunity to show them your taps and watch for the grimace of disgust. Britain has steadfastly ignored many of mainland Europe's innovations, but easily the most heinous snub has been not having mixer taps as standard. Although things have changed since the Industrial Revolution, Many British homes still have two taps for cold or hot water. Children are educated to perform a swishing action between the two temperatures or to turn both on and fill the basin.
1: Yeah, I think this is interesting because I think it's it's a good thing to teach children that life is uncomfortable and you can't always get what you want. You
0: <laughs> think it's a life lesson? Yeah, this is the Victorian
1: <laughs> in me. <laughs> Screaming out.
0: I just remember for years, for like three, no, four years of university, I lived with mostly Germans or Dutch guys, French guys people who weren't from the UK and all I'd hear maybe once a week was someone complaining about not having mixer taps or like when they got frustrated I think it's like us with sandwiches they just get frustrated with mixer taps yeah I mean most modern houses have them I think but you still if you're buying a terraced house or you're buying an older house they'll just have separate taps it's just part of the way of
1: it I mean even some motorway service stations still have the two taps and you do see just people like swishing their hands like like jelly arms from side to side switching from freezing cold to scalding hot
0: well my experience of service stations in Germany is generally that they have you pay for the toilet so you pay 70 cents for a toilet Mm. and you get I think you get 50 cents back in a voucher yeah Uh, and the toilets have infrared systems so you don't need to touch a tap it's all quite modern and clean and then you think of like some of the service station toilets I've I've seen in the UK where you have like those pressure taps where you have to press the button. They don't mm-hmm. have a, a mechanism so that they keep running for a couple of seconds so you can get both hands in it. You have to hold one down and wash one hand and then
1: hold it down with yep. the other hand and wash the other hand. Another utterly bizarre thing that's become quite standard at a British service station is as you walk out, there'll be four buttons on the wall mm-hmm. with different smiley faces uh, from happy to sad. And it invites you to push the button to say how happy you were with your visit. I think today people wash their hands more than they used to. But still, the last thing you're invited to do is to touch this button on a wall that thousands of other people, a percentage of which have not washed their hands properly, just to say, I I approve of how clean that was. It's just utterly bizarre. Uh, The German system is certainly better. Why
0: wouldn't you just have like pressure pads on the floor if you're going to do that? At least make it so you don't have to touch something that other people have touched exactly
1: i mean again in america it's totally different in most rest stops or service stations i mean they don't really have service stations in the same way as we do in europe i found out the majority of people don't use their hands to like do anything the flush mechanism is a long bar that you can like push in any direction people will use their feet so yeah if you're mm-hmm. a tourist going to a service station in the us there's a good chance you're going to use your hand because that's instinct
0: the worst thing about when i went to the us is generally one of the worst things about going to the us was that i had to start using the term restroom because the amount of times i asked mm. for a toilet and people looked at me like i would i was speaking french and then i came back to england for a wedding before i flew back to germany and i said restroom in front of a group of english people and i think i'm still known as the guy who <laughs> said restroom i said i'm in toilet i'm in toilet <laughs> oh So <shit. laughs> i like calling
1: it a shitter just to get back some street cred <laughs> and now i was just like oh he's he's sold out man he's become american <laughs> he was only there for three
0: weeks hoity-toity bellend (laughs) oh no in germany they've reached the zenith and leveled up to a one tap society allowing you to select the perfect temperature before soaping up and getting
1: down to business uh. (laughs) it's not as sexy as it sounds but you literally said soaping up and getting down to business Filth! It's you, man. You got a filthy mind. I can't. I can't help you. No, nothing can help you. So, <laughs> so it's testament to the engineering instincts of German students doing a semester abroad that I'm aware of the invention of a plastic bottle having some holes pissed into it and spanning the gap between hot and cold to form a never-before-seen on the island MacGyver mixing tap. Kudos. Although I'm now a full mixer tap convert after so many years here, I'm still impressed with the level of shock two taps produces in Germans. So who can blame them? it's utterly insane that britain hasn't leveled up to this point yet someone felt the need to have a mixer tap so they made their own mixer yeah 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 when i was working at the university i was in charge of uh, helping people their semester abroad and i got sent a photo by one of my german students they were just like this is what we've had to do and it was just like a two liter bottle hole in each end and a spout cut in the middle and they built their own mixer tap that is that's I've got no. They ways. they weren't very happy in Sunderland. I'll tell the <laughs> truth. Well, now I understand fully. I fully understand their problem. No one came back happy after the semester in
0: Sunderland. I understand. Moving on. I need to be fair here because I I hate it when I listen to podcasts and and these people take the piss out of Newcastle. I quite like Sunderland. I don't have a beef with Sunderland, but I understand why why middle class kids in Bavaria have a problem with Sunderland. <laughs> Number three, German house tree. In Germany, pot plants are for the weak-willed. For those unable to garner the strength and fortitude for something really impressive, what you want is a tree. A big tree in your living room. The bigger, the better. <laughs>
1: so, how big is your living room tree? Your big tree?
0: Yeah, it's we've got one of those sort of rubber plant uh-huh. type affairs. It's big enough. I, I I used to hate it. I really used to hate it. I kind of don't mind why it so you much hate now. It? Well, why, what could
1: you possibly have against a
0: house tree? I think it was just in the way. <laughs>
1: it was, just... was it taller than you? Was it just straight up jealousy?
0: Yeah, it was, it was taller. Ah, oh, so I hate that tall tree. <laughs>
1: I think it was. I
0: think it was because it needed a lot, a lot of light, and where it had to go in the apartment was not aesthetically pleasing for me. And so I, I, I took okay. umbrage at the fact that it was, it was in the position it was. I thought it should be somewhere else, you know. But it didn't get enough light. Light.
1: Apparently. Air. They're just fascinated with the elements. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Obviously having some plants around the house is hardly a tremendous cultural shift but the quantity and prevalence of house trees and large pot plants feels unusual Some people I know dedicate whole sections of their homes to large plants and trees going beyond the bohemian look and
1: creating a savage lands vibe (laughs) I mean I personally am all over this Uh, I recently said to my wife I would like a lot of plants to like fill up the whole house with plants she scanned the room and counted them out and said but you already have a lot my reply we clearly have different definitions of what a lot of plants is I really like when I see images like on Instagram of people with these like rooms just filled with houseplants, and it's like a little TV and a sofa surrounded by greenery I just think it looks so incredibly peaceful so calming and soothing that yeah it makes me sad that I've only got uh, 15 houseplants in my house it doesn't feel like enough do you know think it makes you look like 80s movie drug lord that's what I always think I'm fine with that I'm totally fine with that that's all good
0: yeah I I like it more now I think hanging baskets and stuff I can appreciate I do like the sort of bohemian look but I do feel like there's just a lot of there's a lot of plants everywhere the plants don't just stay at home either many offices in Germany have similar trees and giant pot plants slowly taking over the office Requiring people to use a machete to get to the photocopier. <laughs> there were vine conserves and non-tiffed but permissible fire escape in a pinch. I'm not sure I'm climbing down the beanstalk to get out of a burning office. I'm wondering what will happen when we go back to the offices after COVID and the trees haven't been cut back and it's just it is jamanji <laughs> To try and get a cup of coffee, you've got to fight a tiger.
1: I mean, I, I think for, especially for office living, it's one of the most key things for me. Whenever I go to an office and there weren't many plants there, it just made me feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just shades of white and gray with like desktop monitors and that's kind of it. Whereas yeah, when there are loads of trees and bushes and plants and trees, like it makes me feel like I'm at least in a living environment. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's what people are doing at home as well. So I mean, what's the line? If you have more large plants in your home than your office you work in, you've gone too far. But I have no control over how many plants I'm gonna have in my house.
0: I'll have as many as I turn up at any one time. <laughs> I mean, it's a personal preference. I would say like I could probably handle another, another large plant, but I think in offices, I mean, they could probably chill out a little bit like it's so full on it's like massive bushes and they're overhanging people's desks and it, it either put up cubicles or don't but don't like pretend that you're about open plan office and just have loads of trees blocking every, everyone's natural life <laughs> next up the coffee filters coffee is officially a German blood type I've checked and that is a true fact so don't go disputing it I've been here so long it turns out that I've transitioned to Dalmar Pro Domo from A positive Simon doesn't drink coffee anymore so fervently is he rejecting German culture so he's still Yorkshire tea positive. Coffee is so important that it seems that every single German has a coffee machine of some description. Some rather fancy and pricey bells and whistles push a button and off it goes glistening silver monolith but in case of problems most Germans have a backup plastic coffee filter too because that's the definition of having a backup plan. British homes in comparison may have a cafetiere if they're a middle class like Simon or opt for instant coffee if they're Whatever class I (laughs) am Sure, George Clooney and his pet bit foxiness Have boosted sales of Nespresso machines But an alarming number of Brits still opt for Freeze-dried granules of Nestle shit Boo! Boo! Boo to Nestle! I'm fairly sure that it's against the law to offer guests in Germany instant coffee. I've never tried, though. I like living here too much. The plastic coffee filter is ubiquitous, and like the British and their travel kettles, the German traveller usually has one with them. So, yeah, have you have got a plastic coffee filter? You
1: just have like, a pretty simple coffee machine. Yeah, I say I gave up coffee in 2019, and I've, I've had two cups since then, and both times mm. it's hit me like a train, and I'm just like a jittery mess. So my body's adjusted to not really having caffeine. Obviously, I drink a huge amount of tea, but... The caffeine and that is, is far less reactive uh for me i don't see us investing 300 euros in some fancy silver mm. monolith as cool as they look it's not really my jam anymore when you see someone who's got like a thousand euro
0: coffee machine that's a bit extreme like um i'm not really in that i've seen someone with one of those por- like a porcelain coffee filter so the coffee filter that sits on top of the, the mm-hmm. cup or the pot you're putting on but i've never seen one of those plastic cup style filters until I went to university and met my wife. i have never seen one before. They were totally alien to me.
1: Yeah, we had them at my pub because we hated anyone that ordered coffee because we were a bunch of alcoholics. Uh, And so we would have those, uh, the cup top filters that look very impressive, but I'm not sure if they actually really make a good coffee. But no one can argue that you've given them a coffee when you give them one of them. there's
0: no lies. I think it looks, you see a lot of like American coffee aficionados using them they'll have some kind of device that's similar mm. it looks like a it looks like a glass maybe a glass one of some description
1: yeah I mean leather bound glass type things it's all very artisanal certain parts of the US are extremely adventurous when it comes to coffee the Pacific Northwest where I lived Portland and Seattle the coffee culture there is absolutely insane uh, and people are really very very opinionated about it uh, and I think if you gave them Dalimar Prodomo they'd be like it comes freeze dried and pre ground. What are you a heathen? Yeah, they'd want to make it the ground roast the beans
0: themselves and all of that jazz. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um you don't really get that kind of I mean sure you probably some places you get people who are like that, but it's not it's not that common here really. And you sit but it's you definitely don't get instant coffee. I've never been offered instant no. coffee. I've never seen anyone drinking an instant coffee, even in offices.
1: I've got some in my cellar for a total emergency. But apart from that, it's, it'll never get used. It'll sit there forever.
0: Ahoy! Time to batten down the window shutters. Curtains can really pull a room together, or at least that's what the home furnishings magazines that I used to, to read in the dentist's waiting room say. However, ask yourself this. Can a nice set of curtains protect you from the inevitable zombie apocalypse? No, they can't. What you need is some heavy-duty metal shutters that can quickly transform a stylish home into an armoured zombie-proof death fortress. <laughs> so... How ready are you for the German
1: zombie apocalypse, sign? I'm ready, I think. Like We've got shutters on a lot of the windows. And in our new house, we have bars on a couple of them as well, which gives a real sort of 1950s prison vibe. But it does make me feel pretty secure. If the zombies came, I'd be pretty well set. I mean, there's nowhere that I think they could get through. The cellar door is probably our biggest vulnerability. I think about it far too much. I really do. And I'm almost 40, and I really shouldn't
0: fantasise about zombie apocalypses. But... It's still a massive part of my daydreaming, and whenever I see a metal shutter, I'm just like, yeah, like a metal shutter on a ground floor. Oh, that's that's what you're looking for. I went over to my (laughs) brother-in-law's and I went into his basement, and he's got it finally stocked with like provisions. I don't know why he has so much stuff, but like I know where I'm going if I'm going for the if the zombie apocalypse occurs. But to tie this all (laughs) in together, I've just watched that uh, Army of the Dead on Netflix. Is it any good? I don't know. It's really hard to say. I mean, it ties into our theme because it's got... Uh, Matthias Schwieghofer is in it and he's uh, he's really good. I mean, it's it's funny and that's kind of why I think I've seen a lot of the adverts for it because he's been popping up on promotional sort of social media posts and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. good zombie, it's a good zombie film. They're all a bit predictable. I, I've realised as I get older, I can't handle the build-up where the, you get to know all the characters and then they all die horrifically. I can't really handle that
1: aspect <laughs> of zombie films. But
0: which makes you wonder why I would fantasise about being a one constantly through my time in Germany but still the shutters do it for me (laughs) keeping out the undead is only one practical aspect of window shutters in Germany the other is the ability to keep the bedroom in tow stubbing blackout
1: what the cool rooms during the increasingly hot summers? A new place comes with a bedroom in the roof, so I'm pretty terrified of how hot it might end up. We've had a couple of plus 20 days and it's already pretty warm at night. Thankful for my cellar. Yeah, I think you'll definitely be alright. Yeah, have a that? It's got a kitchen now, you're
0: self-sufficient, you can just <laughs> stay down there for the duration.
1: But I mean, of course, I'm going to need weapons. So are there any ready-made German zombie weapons? Surely a three-day-old Laugenstanger could be sharpened into a usable zombie-ender. My friend, I, I've I've gone full Bavarian. I've
0: got a, a range of different axes in my house, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Uh, partially, I bought those axes. Well, one one was bought for me. One was sharp, had sharpened, and I, I definitely got it sharpened with the intention of chopping wood with it. But also in the back of my head, I was like, "This will come in handy," you know, when the dawn of the dead happens.
1: This will be useful. Whilst we're on this topic, because this is quite serious, like what what kind of axe is this a, a double hand or have you got a, an agile like i know oh, i've style?
0: got two hatchets
1: okay yeah i think hatchet is the way to go
0: you, you would want to have a two-handed axe right if that's practical but if watching zombie films has taught us anything the fool goes in with a two-handed axe gets stuck in the zombie mm-hmm. another zombie gets them so i'll be none of that None of that's a story as me.
1: old as time <laughs> yeah you've got it you've got to
0: be able to let go pretty quickly though so. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready and, uh, and waiting. <laughs> so are these axes now by the side of your bed, ready to go? I think that would be a step too far for my wife. <laughs> I think she would begin to ask questions if I started keeping an axe next to my bed. I got
1: interesting legal advice before I went to university from my mum, who is a trained lawyer. Because obviously, yeah, security is an issue. And a lot of people want to sleep with, with something near their bed for the event of a break-in. And my mum told me that the, the only good thing to have is a roll of wallpaper. I don't know if it applies in Germany as well, but in the UK a roll of wallpaper cannot be conceived as a, uh, cannot be construed as a weapon. Whereas mm-hmm. a baseball bat or a golf club, if you hit an intruder one of those, you are committing a crime. Whereas wallpaper mm-hmm. is safe to hit anyone with. So yeah, that's my hot UK legal tip. Knock your burglar with some wallpaper. It would hurt, like yeah, yeah. it would totally Or anyone. <laughs> <laughs> to be oh, a like, oh, I I didn't realise it was a free use
0: situation, fair enough. Off I go. Uh, Okay. US citizens in Germany often complain about the lack of air conditioning systems. But who needs one when simply lowering the shutters can easily cool a room? When the zombie hordes come, Germany will face them well-rested and at a
1: reasonable room temperature. Maybe another weapon here. Next up is the Gaffro Knife. If you are lucky enough to be invited to the home of a Bavarian, politely excuse yourself for a moment and have a quick rummage through their cutlery drawer. I guarantee you, you'll find at least one of these red-handled knives. What you have discovered is the Gefro knife, possibly the sharpest object known to man. The Gethro knife is usually given away as a free gift by the Gethro mail order soup and sauce company with orders over a certain price. Sometimes they come in the mail, meaning any letter from Gefro should be opened very carefully. They are incredibly sharp and the serrated edge can make short work of the thickest loaf of bread. And the most hardy of vegetables. I'm adamant. It's the sharpest object
0: in like existence. <laughs> I don't think lasers are as sharp as the Gethra knife. <laughs> I think you can cut a laser with a Gethro knife. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> the amount of cuts I've had on my fingers, and they're like vicious. If you if you slip with one of those, nah, it's game over. You're not having a good day. Yeah,
1: I serrated blades. I, I don't like. I only use them for bread because I I hate the cuts you get with them. Like a good kitchen knife. I'll take one of those super fine paper cuts but when it savages you with a serrated edge yeah, it's really unpleasant. I've got a scar on my finger from it. Another indication of how thoroughly middle class I am. The only scar I have in my hand from a knife is from a prosciutto knife <laughs> 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 Of course it is Of course it is I was just having a little bit
0: of prosciutto and I slipped. Yeah that's exactly yeah. what
1: happened I was, I was home on my own I, one of the first times we left on my own and for Christmas my mum had been given a leg of prosciutto by her boss And I I fucking love prosciutto. So I'd been (laughs) at school for a few weeks and I came back uh, for the weekend and mum was away. The prosciutto had hardened a little bit on top. So I put it in the rack, sliced through and had to give it a little bit and just went straight through into my thumb, uh, the top knuckle and split it wide open. And... Yeah, it was, a, it was a nasty cut, see the bone and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm on my own. I'll just wrap it and I'll be fine. And then I started feeling dizzy and then I nearly fell over. I was like, okay, this is really not good. So I went to my neighbor uh, who lived downstairs from us and showed her the wound and she was like, okay, hospital. And my mum didn't trust me with a knife or on my own for a few years. Too right. In case you're wondering, I did eat the Of course prosciutto. you did. I mean, in, fa- in fairness, I don't think mail
0: order soup is any less middle class than, than getting a, a leg of... of, of, of quality meter or something you know it's uh
1: so if i gave you a Gaffro knife and a three day old Laugenstanger, stanger how many days do you think you could last against oh, like, i wouldn't
0: need well i guess i'd sharpen the Laugenstanger. stanger that would be a start but i reckon i reckon that's the start that's the start of my endless quest to save humanity from <laughs> the zombie hordes like you give me a Gaffro knife you've basically given me a tactical nuclear weapon right there i'm ready for anything <laughs> especially if it involves cutting. From window shutters to the windows themselves, (laughs) most new arrivals will at some point mention German windows. It might be a strange topic to bring up, but these humble windows are a marvel of engineering. Don't take my word for it though, just ask Angela Merkel. When asked about what Germany meant to her, Merkel cited her airtight windows. German windows are not only very secure, they open in two different ways, to ensure that Germans can both enjoy a cool breeze while also complaining about the cool breeze. It's a win-win. I honestly think that answer from Merkel was her, like, she couldn't think of anything to say, and then she just came out with that, and it's it's tagged to her for the... I've heard it so many times referenced that she said that German windows were one of her favourite things.
1: Well, I mean, you can't come out and say, like, beer. You can't come out and say pork or sausages. You can't come out and say, like, ladles, and you can't come out and say bread. Like, there's a whole raft of things that are culturally really significant, but just fit into the stereotype that every other nation has of Germany. And so, I mean, yeah, the windows is, is a very valid point. And I think anyone that moves here from another country, as soon as they've experienced a German window, I just like, this is the peak of engineering and it's not going to get any better than this.
0: I think we're the only people that, who've moved to Germany from somewhere else who haven't made a YouTube video about German windows. Like, <laughs> yeah, go on YouTube and there's loads of people just going, <laughs> look at the windows, look at how they open. <laughs> it's, so, it's magical.
1: But I do still have one small beef with it and that's that the the windows open inwards by doing that you kind of steal inside space compared to in the uk we have like screw you outside person mentality and our windows open out into the street
0: but then you have to clean them from the street though don't you if you have to clean them you're gonna have to go outside to clean
1: them practical but this is how in the uk we sustain a whole economy of window cleaners that's an industry that that needs support like you're not paying much but you're paying a man to clean your windows and that's a good thing. He's fallen on hard times already. I like the idea of not having my
0: windows cleaned by someone, like just periodically someone peering in your window as they cleaner it. I'm quite happy that that doesn't exist
1: or doesn't happen here at all. We, we've thought, already talked about the big house plants, and if you put your big house plant next to your window, there's a good chance that your window's gonna interact with the plant and, and cause damage.
0: Perfect, you put the plant in front of the window, keeps the window open. See, self-practical man, it's all, it's all You're been thought so about. you so
1: German, it's, it's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <tak. laughs> <Gooden tak. laughs> Next up, sounds like meat is in fact met. For many UK folks, someone screaming defund the met might seem like a reasonable enough suggestion. Here it would lead to puzzlement. Met is a preparation of minced raw pork that is popular in Germany, Poland and in Belgium. Served with onions, it might sometimes also be served with garlic or caraway and eaten raw, usually on a bread roll. At a buffet it is sometimes, and this is much more 70s than now, served as a Met Eagle, uh, which is a Met Hedgehog or yeah raw pork hedgehog I guess would be the right translation It is also sold in the form of Metwurst uh, a spicy raw sausage often smoked And in Germany law requires that no more than 35% of the Met is fat Good God I mean the Met Eagle yeah. is, is kind of a, a
0: good joke But you go to a bakery and you definitely see it as an option among the sandwiches and, and stuff like that Shows the quality of the people that I hang out with I remember someone referring to it as German Carpaccio And, <laughs> and I was like yeah I suppose it is it is a bit But but it's not something that I'm probably tucking into. Certainly not something I'd find in my house, but I mean, do you,
1: you? No, we don't have it at home, no, no way. But every time I see it, I am drawn to it. There's a part of me that wants to eat it just to see what the deal mm-hmm. is. But my wife is very sensitive to onions. But my wife can smell onion on me like a week later if I eat raw ones. And so it's, it's really a problem. And uh, she, she hates caraway as well. So that's, an, that's another issue. I can I agree with her there. Caraway is a is a, is a shitty spice. No, I, I don't mind it. i have to say it's grown on me. Uh, the first time I had it here, I was like, what's that? But now no, I'm all over it. So I think if she goes on holiday without me at some point, I might try some Met. Because yeah, there is something there's something primeval about that. Like, would you like some raw mince meats here, sir? Like, we haven't done anything to it. I like I like our range of things we do when our wives are not around. Like, when my wife isn't around,
0: I go walk the streets and get hammered like some kind of hobo. And you're, like, <laughs> storing up Met, <laughs> Met and onions. She's gone! Right! <laughs> <laughs> it's time to eat it.
1: We're just trying our best to integrate. I'm living, we're living our best lives, mate. We're living our best lives. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a more challenging breakfast for your colleagues: raw meat and onions, a roll mop sandwich. Maybe I know you're not a big fan of roll mop. Can't. I couldn't eat a roll mop. Not at all. I couldn't like fish.
0: Oh. Fish sandwich. Nah, man. It's, it's not for me. Oh. Nah.
1: I'd love it. I, I absolutely love roll mop sandwiches. I think they're one of the best things. About going to a market in Germany, seeing them. It's, it looks so, it looks kind of vibrant in its own way, uh, like the skin on fish. What, watching
0: someone, oh no, God, that just turned my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Schafkäse and onions is the other thing that I can't quite grasp as a breakfast. Like if you're in a hotel and you see someone chomping down that,
1: you're like, Ugh. you're going to have a grim afternoon. <laughs> yeah, raw onions as part of a breakfast is totally unheard of in the UK. Kudos to the brave people of Germany, especially in times of mask wearing. That's really got to be a challenge. Kudos to the people who have to spend time in their presence. I think. <laughs> okay, next up, one of the most iconic kids' TV characters of the past 20 years is a depressed, personified loaf of bread. That's right. And wonderfully, he is called Bernd das Brot. Get it? Burnt. The (laughs) broat. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. So, Burnt is a depressed, grumpy, curmudgeonly, constantly bad-tempered, surly, fatalistic, melancholic loaf of Pullman bread speaking in a deep, gloomy baritone. He is small, rectangular and golden brown with hands directly attached to his body, rings around his eyes and thin-lipped mouth. He looks like a really unhealthy bit of bread come to life. A 20 smokes a day slice if ever I saw one. According to himself, he belongs to the species Bredus Depressivus. Uh, His favourite activities include staring at the south wall at home, learning the pattern of his woodchip wall pattern by heart, reading his favourite magazine, The Desert and New, and enlarging his collection of the most boring railway tracks on video. Bound sympathises firstly with himself. His favourite expression is mist, used in much the same way as the English crap. His other catchphrases are I would like to be left alone. I would like to leave this show and my life is hell. Well, thank you for that Germany. It's an existential crisis come to life. Amazing. It's mind-blowing
0: that this is a kid's character that yeah. kids have taken to the heart a depressed loaf of bread, but it's it's massive <laughs> like I didn't it's just much bigger than I expected. It's it's not quite a Zeitgeist anymore, I don't think, but people know about it it's popular enough that if you mentioned it people would recognize it and he's still on television so yeah yeah properly popular
1: yeah my first experience was uh late night tv Mm -hmm. i think the channel was kicker Mm -hmm. plays primarily music videos and he was the host i was there like blurry eyed at two in the morning watching this it's like what is this like this really like aggressively depressed bread uh, commenting on all this stuff in a really negative way. There's, there's something very um Euro trash about it. Like it
0: seems like uh-huh. it might be a segment on, on on a show that's like, look at this weird <laughs> European sort of character but I think that's why he's become so popular is that because adults have come across him coming back from the pub or like late at night they've come across mm. it bleary eyed like yourself and going like what the hell is this I'd watched a, an episode of his, of his kids TV show where like a monk appeared who was looking for a treasure map. felt like I was on a trip or something it did feel a little <laughs> bit like I was out of my depth yeah just like that's the character a depressed loaf of bread that hangs out with a bush person who's like literally a person who looks like a bush. And I think it's a duck, like a hyperkinetic duck called Chili. Subversive, I guess, is the best description of Mm. what that
1: character is. To have a host of a show, not only being critical of what's on the show, but saying they don't want to be on the show, is is really meta. You really have to sort of give it to Germany that this has been going on for for two decades. Mm -hmm. This isn't some flash-in-the-pan new character. This has been fleshed out and and very much brought to life. He has a proper extreme backstory, you know, like they were saying in the the things that I read,
0: there was one that said the official story was that he was from a failed bread advert and (laughs) and, and he had to go and work for Kicker, that's why he was so depressed and then there was another one that said (laughs) there was another one that said I'll read the line because it talks about the other reason he might be depressed was that the 85th episode of his show, he mentioned that he was depressed because a long, long time ago, I fell in love with a beautiful Full slim baguette. She was so incredibly charming and funny, but unfortunately, it was in vain. She only had eyes for this multi-grain bread that ran along with its ten types of grain. It was so depressing. Since then, my heart has been a dry lump of flour. And as I was just, oh my god! It's, like, it's deeper than most Marvel characters. This
1: backstory, like, my god, they are really invested. They've really invested. This is wonderful. It really is. I think it's really, it's an incredible thing to have kept going for so long. It'd be like, like Basil mm-hmm. Brush coming back as like a hero. Heroin, chunky, like recovering on methadone.
0: I read the line that it was quite sub- subversive. Like, do you know he won a Grimmer Prize? Really? No. Like one of the most prestigious <laughs> television awards in Germany. Uh, the guy who created him won it, and I think I guess essentially he won it for being like a subversive <laughs> character that you wouldn't expect. And so I did a search, and and it came up with some like TV shows that I'd totally forgotten. Like there was an ITV TV show called Round the Bend, mm-hmm. a TV comic. That was hosted by a, a crocodile puppet who lived in the sewers, yeah. and he employed employed rats. But that was made by people who wrote the Viz, which yeah. was like a underground. It's not. It's not so much an underground comic anymore. It's basically like a, a lewd comic with like loads of swearing in it played on the idea of like kids comics but it was it was all the characters were like Sid the sexist yeah like all these like horrendous characters that you just didn't weren't rooting for but it looked like a kids comic and they did a lot of the work on it so and it was quite a subversive idea and it looks like visually it looks the same like you could like round the bend hasn't been on television since the early 90s but if you mm. put the two together and you're like, all oh, right, there's there's a through line between this British show and, and
1: this thing. but I mean, it seems now that there's so much protectionism when it comes to the characters on children's TV shows that have to be sort of safe and sterile. Whereas as i say back when we were young, there was a lot of stuff on TV that looked and felt like appropriate for children. But as soon as you like were really paying attention or were grown up, mm. you'd realise that it was actually sort of quasi-filthy or really kind of scandalous. Uh, and I think that sort of faded away with the way that TV is produced these mm. days. But Germany's still keeping it strong. There's still yeah. some really bizarre stuff that really isn't appropriate necessarily. It's not the only weird thing about Bern that's brought There's a statue of him in Erfurt
0: where kickers yeah yeah it was stolen by by radicals like it's honestly the (laughs) nuttiest
1: story we need a new leader there was like a whole there was a whole
0: scandal like they erected this statue and like a couple of years later they stole it and they got a letter saying we'll only return it if you I think it was they wanted to turn a squat into some kind of like living accommodation for people basically that they mm-hmm. lost it and they couldn't find the statue. And some kids found it in a housing estate that was about to be knocked down and they found it in the basement. Which is led to the one of the best lines, which was the the police carbon dated it <laughs> they checked to see it was and they were like, It's real I say, like, How many how many of these statues do you think there are? I'm knocking about the place And then it got returned. But yeah, he's he's a very he's a very storied character. He's had a lot of adventures, both real and a fictitious i didn't realize he had something in common with the jules romay world cup trophy <laughs> yeah, he wasn't found under, in a bush by a dog called pickles but it's close enough close enough and he's had computer games the computer games are amazing they're like do you remember there was a period so in the mid-2000s where like serial companies would be giving away cd-roms with like mm-hmm. games for like kellogg's characters it's one of those it's so it looks so bad a good flash game um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the most popular game in Germany right now. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's awful. But yeah, very, very popular cartoon character. They've transitioned into, I don't know, Totem or, or something like
1: that. Adults love him. Kids love him. Don't know why. All, all praise to Bunt. That's broad. He's He's really a fantastic insight into the psychology of the nation <laughs> that's,
0: i think that's the citation on the Grimmer Prize. was like it was a real oh no i think like, it was a review in spiegel it was like this guy really understands germany <laughs> 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 uh.
1: good news is upon us and from june onwards it seems like we may be getting our first taste of freedom. Woohoo! Uh, Nick's mentioned the mask mandate being dropped in Augsburg and vaccine rollout's going pretty well. So thanks to the dropping incidence numbers and those pretty pleasing vaccine numbers. What this means for a lot of us is that there are upcoming opportunities to party with our friends. Subject to a Schnell test or a vaccine, to be sure. With this light at the end of the tunnel peaking into view, we thought it might be interesting to look at the concept of partying like a German. We at Decades From Home have always maintained through this podcast and conversations
0: with non-Germans that there is more to Germany than Lederhosen beer and first. Of course there is. We have looked at many aspects of Germany in our attempt to prove that the stereotypical view we have of the Bundesrepublik Deutschland is too simplistic and frequently inaccurate, and to believe that only three things can define a nation, and to believe that only three things can define a nation is doing our Teutonic cousins
1: a disservice. Tea, the Queen, beef—shit. We've gone and done it for our home as well. Oh yeah. Germans are more than leather-clad beer swillers with pockets full of Bretzel and tasty pork products. Of that there is no doubt. <laughs> And this imagery of Germany stemming from one portion of Bayern being plastered all over the rest of the nation does a huge disservice to the varying and wonderful twists on German culture to be found in all parts of this country. Despite
0: our best efforts, once the fest season rolls around, this position becomes incredibly hard to defend as trains, cars, buses and trams make their way through every conceivable German municipality. Packed with Germans heading to Fester, Germany becomes more stereotypically
1: German even if it is only temporary. It's hard to describe to anyone who's never been to one of the many German Festa quite what it is like to be confronted by Roman bands of lederhorsen-clad men and dirndl-wearing women yeah it's true a few years ago when international travel was as simple as you like
0: we were at the Erlangen and fight my brother joined us for the first time and it's the first time he'd ever been to a fest of any kind and there was just crowds of German party goers people dressed in Trachten and uh, Lederhos and Dindles and my brother basically summed up his experience quite succinctly and he said they all look like Snow White <laughs> <laughs> and I was like who do and he's like the women they all look like Snow White. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. There is a very Disney-esque mm-hmm. vibe when uh, the fests come on. And you do feel like you're really, really in Germany. Yeah. For, certainly for outsiders. I don't know how Germans feel about it. But for outsiders, I think seeing a Volksfest, Dorffest, where everyone's dressed up in their lederhosen and dindel. And you know like there's a good time happening when you see people walking around the city in a dindel or lederhosen that are going somewhere. You're like, oh, they're going somewhere yeah. cool. It's got to be somewhere cool.
1: Well, I mean, maybe not cool, but very fun, at least. Like, I think it's hard to put Lederhalsen and cool together. When I think of how British people would dress to go to like a village fair or a party organised by the city, it would be without any tradition or any sort of relics from the past. And it would be like miniskirts and plastic high heels. And I think there's a lot more integrity to doing it this way. But I saw an interesting point the other day on Twitter where somebody said that in Germany, they have five-day carnivals and five-day festivals where everyone gets dressed up, drinks in the street, has an amazing time, and British people have no idea how short-changed we have been. There is nothing like that, nothing.
0: No, there really isn't anything that's like, let's all get together and go on some fairground rides and get, get really drunk. Like That seems to be the two options. Eat amazing, really unhealthy food, drink in a big beer hall, listen to a band play bad versions of ACDC,
1: dance on a table, <laughs> go on the waltzes, go home. It's like, that's that's a pretty good night out, if you ask me. I fully understand the sentiment from your brother. erlangenberg does have this effect of feeling like you have accidentally intruded on a forgotten Grimm's fairy tale. Located as it is on a hill, covered by a forest of chestnut, linden and oak trees, bedecked by paper lamps with fairy lights, it radiates a sense of an older Germany, the Germany of 200 years ago. This isn't really a surprise, given that the festival itself is over 260 years old, and the same festival site has been used since 1798. Of course, things have changed slightly since its inauguration. I'm fairly confident the founders of the Kirkvai never anticipated giant sound systems blaring out and schlager music or groups of revelers capturing their enjoyment via the medium of selfie stick. Despite these more troubling innovations, there has
0: been some modernization that has only improved the experience, such as the introduction of toilets in 1897, or the prohibition of throwing beer glasses in 1923. I can't
1: work out which one is more important. And also what was with the gap but there were 99 years with no toilets where everyone was drinking let's say conservatively the average is probably three liters of beer per person I and mean, some people are drinking like seven or eight liters the hill must have just been cascading with piss
0: yeah i don't want to think about it
1: i can only assume it was a bit like that I, hey
0: i may have bore helena fisher but at least i know i'm not going to get glassed by anyone i would say that's pretty ha- big
1: highlight for you i mean that's surely a step up from any uk venue I mean, is there a clearer indication of a dicey pub than getting beer in a plastic pint glass?
0: Oh, yeah, like you know, you're in a wrong the wrong establishment <laughs> yeah. when someone hands you a plastic glass. Or, like, <laughs> I used to here's a smoker. You used to go, you go to the barn and go, oh, I need to go to the smoking area. And they go, right, they take your pint and pour it into a plastic glass and give it a, an extra thick head. And you're like, oh, mm. God. Yeah, there's none of that, Jazz. I think we'll have to be clear here. Burkirk Vi, go on a Saturday, you start at 11, it finishes at 11 usually. And if you do the whole day, by about seven or eight o'clock, you start to see the British aspect materialise. Yeah. I've seen some pretty <laughs> hairy events occurring at the in the latter stages of a, a Saturday or a Sunday Bergkirk Kirkfire. Yeah, every time I've gone, I've had some kind of accident. I fell down the Berg okay one year. So bad. So bad. My wife doesn't like crowds and she phoned us and said she was in a crowd and she was really freaked out. And I was really really it was like 11 o'clock about a close i couldn't get through the crowd and i was like i know i'll cut down the hill and uh, i started going down the hill and i started going faster and faster and faster and i was like oh, i'm gonna lose my feet here and i literally uh tripped but i f- like i felt like i was flying i did feel like for like 10 seconds in the air i was like i'm flying
1: and i landed
0: <laughs> like on my hand which i used as a brake and i had like <laughs> stones embedded in my hand didn't feel it because i was totally drunk and then i rolled over and i looked cool. up and it was there was six paramedics standing. Above us, and I would f- like landed right in the first aid centre, and they were like, "Don't move, don't move," and I was like, "It's okay." And I got up, totally trying to say "I've got to find my wife. I'm English." And then I just ran off, and they like, "I could t- I looked behind them, and they were like, "No, you can't." And I was like, "Gone, I was away." I woke up in the morning, and I just had had to pick little stones out of my hand with, with tweezers, and it was my wife was not impressed with my my heroics. They were but- trying to help. What's wrong? <laughs> not, like, last thing you need last thing you need is me tearing round the corner blood pouring out of my hand like looking like I've been pulled through a bush going I'm here to help I'm here to help you <laughs> yeah it's probably it can get very well I guess I guess in that instance it was the British person bringing the uh the, the tone of the evening down, but I'm fairly sure there was others. It does sound like you suffering. were suffering in this situation. <laughs> yeah. no, possibly, possibly, I'm just
1: mislabelling the poor <laughs> the poor with my British antics. So, in spite of Nick being an absolute raging Englishman at these events, Birkevik still has many <laughs> traditional aspects. The family-owned beer sellers running under the hill initially used for storing beer in the summer months, continue to be used as temporary bars. The festival is always opened by the mayor, who has the honour of tapping the first barrel and pouring the first mass of beer, and the end of the fest is still marked by the funeral-like burial of the last keg of beer on the final day. Tradition is at the heart of many of the festive throughout Bavaria and Germany as a whole, although many will be hard pressed to explain the origins of the local celebrations. They're still incredibly well attended, with the small door festa seeing whole villages in attendance.
0: Yeah, it is something seeing a whole village of people eating schnitzel and drinking beer listening to the blaz music like blaz music is the i guess what what do they call it
1: Umpa. i guess we we call it in english uh. it's uh
0: the umpa <laughs> bands but uh that is impressive and i think i don't know if all other fests have this kind of solemn ending i think it's it's only really fire that buries the the keg in a solemn sort of sign at the end of the fest you imagine like a lot of these sort of fests have some kind of traditional opening and closing ceremonies. Yeah, it feels
1: like an overreaction, but we'll, we'll let them do it. <laughs> of
0: course, we know from previous episodes that Oktoberfest is cancelled again this year in Munich. A tragedy in the eyes of many who view it as the most important event in the calendar. What the alternate in Dubai is not going to achieve is the dimming of the general belief that most famous of all the fester has become too commercialised. We would argue that to really find the true German festa experience, visitors must make their way to the towns and villages of Germany.
1: That's where the real stuff is. Yeah,' it's these proper festa the blast music, as Nick mentioned, possibly mm-hmm. played by multiple generations of the same family, can be heard, and the exceptionally strong fest beer can be drunk for more than affordable prices. At this point, I will sound a note of caution. When you find a mass of beer for only 750, <laughs> this is not a challenge. The idea of drinking five liters of seven percent beer and eating a wealth of pork might sound like a good idea at the time but come 11 p.m as nick knows things can get unfeasibly messy nick has ruined <laughs> more than one pair of shoes making that mistake i don't think i've ruined my shoes i did ruin a jacket there was a hole in it i mean it's serious stuff i mean it's definitely a big cultural difference like a, a normal beer in the uk is around four percent mm. and here it's five as a standard and then once you get to seven and a half you're basically drinking mm. two beers every time you drink one it's a lesson you have to learn the hard way more often than not and i think all of our immigrant crew have fallen prey to the fest beer another hot tip here the moment someone suggests getting a round of schnapps extricate yourself
0: as quickly as possible the greatest scientists in the world have yet to concoct a washing powder that can get a mixture of curry, currywurst burning schnapps and fest beer out of your clothing the orange
1: glow ain't fainting uh it's very reminiscent of an experience i had it's one of the things i really we don't get very often down in bavaria it's, it's very much a northern thing uh, here in germany but I, I love a currywurst i'm always a little disappointed when they say do you want it hot and i'm like yeah, yeah give it to me hot and then you get it and it's like a a mild mm-hmm. korma um yeah i i want want a really hot one but i think got to go to the north for that uh, the german enjoyment of festa has also led to the creation of less traditional events and during the summer months it feels like there's a celebration of one kind or another every week summerfest, jazzfest, jazz fest baroque fest mm-hmm. slow week fest whatever people feel like celebrating can be an excuse to put up the benches hire a band and spend all day drinking i am not complaining there is nothing more enjoyable than going for a walk turning a corner and finding half the city holding their beer glasses aloft and singing in unison some old-timey drinking song i cannot bloody wait for this brand of normal to be the rage again
0: yeah i didn't even know there was that many fests until i started hanging out with people who lived in the real mm. inner city and they'd just be like there's the fish marked fest and i'm like <laughs> what is that and it's oh, it's a fest that we have in the single streets yeah people eating fish and drinking beer so as soon as you put fest on it you know it's going to be a good time it should be noted at this point that blast music and schlager may dominate much of the sounds of a fest throughout the day But when it gets dark and the horns and clarinets have been cleared away, there is a serious shift in styles. There's no stranger sight at a festival than to hear ACDC being belted out by a tribute band, while hundreds of people dressed in lederhosen and dindle give virtuoso performances on air guitar. This might come second to the year that I witnessed a packed tent at the Nuremberg Volkfest erupt in unison to the band playing the first bars of Nina's 80s hit 99 Balloons." that was germany turned up to 100 that was that's what it felt like i was like i'm really i am in germany germany is in me we are all germany
1: (laughs) so the world may turn its attention to munich during a normal september and believe they're witnessing the true expression of german culture and i suppose to some extent they are Oktoberfest has the adoration of thousands of visitors But to really appreciate the first period in Germany, it's necessary to leave the confines of Germany's second city and find yourself a small village, a local band, and an affordable mass of beer. Glory be. This is where I will most likely be once I'm all jabbed up and ready to rock, attempting to sing some repetitive German drinking song while balanced precariously atop a rickety wooden bench. This time, I'm sure, Nick won't fall off i'm beginning to ruin my reputation as the the solid guiding light of this podcast
0: is that what you thought you were no no no
1: i'm in charge of the script
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is why i keep getting dunked on repeatedly yeah it's time for some fests it's time for some beers and hopefully like you said i won't fall off the uh the bench although there is a high percentage chance that i (laughs)
1: will
0: den Podcast angehört haben. Before we leave your ears for another week, I want to thank Karen, Maurizio, Dilly, and Lady Blackadder for sharing the podcast. Feelin' dank. You are all superstars. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at DecadesFromHome and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% german at gmail.com. If you haven't had, uh, If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Okay.
1: Let's get started. Shaka his lot. <sighs>
0: Welcome to De- <laughs> totally <That's entirely laughs> <disheartened. gasps> here, here, here we go again. Um, yeah, I just need to exhale. That was all. Like, cool. um, try such a laissez-faire swing, a limb approach in Britain, and you're liable to puncture a hole through the plasterboard. If way oh, off, sorry.
1: laissez-faire. took t- Fuck you with your French pronunciation. <laughs> Lasses, fight. <fey.
0: laughs> uh, right, chill. Good. Try such a lessies fair. L- Laissez faire Okay.